Welcome, everybody. I'm Aubrey Byer. And I'm Shaylin Smith. And you're listening to The, the Resolute. Resolute. So, you're pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> the awkward pause. I sure am. <laughs> you're, how shall we say, pregnant. <laughs> and have you gone camp? And and you have a young child. Mm-hmm. Have you gone camping with your baby? Yeah, we went camping... Um, like a month or two ago how was that it went really good actually well it yeah it was great and then in the middle of the night i woke up um because i had to use the restroom like you do a lot when you're (laughs) pregnant (laughs) but um i heard scuffling outside and not just like oh no oh there's a coon out there it was like i thought that there was a person walking around the tent and it was terrifying and i woke crush up and i was like crush what is that that is so and we just scary. sat there for like an hour and then we heard some bugling and i think it was just some elk that oh, and we were like which is also scary i mean they also they're huge they're huge and they can be territorial yeah and we and so i think we were like right in their path to get down to the lake the lake was like 10 feet from our our tent so and then we saw a bunch of tracks in the morning at least that's what i'm gonna tell myself it was because it really sounded like two or three people just walking around our campsite that's so creepy it creeped me out real bad so i mean other than that though it was honestly great um little baby slept really well i didn't feel like i was gonna pass away from sleeping (laughs) on the ground so it was it was it was was fun it was really good (laughs) So, I mean, okay, I I just don't think we did any camping when my kids were babies. Mm. I'm trying to think. Mm, no, they were definitely older, so I've never experienced a baby right. camp out. Yeah. I know my sister and brother-in-law, they just did a little camping trip, I think, like, last week, and or maybe the week before, um, with my nephew, and they said he did awesome yeah like he was just like so excited the whole time yeah but I, I always admire people that are like ah you know let's just that's one of the yeah. things I love about you too is you're just like life doesn't stop you get to do life with me right yeah. you know yeah. you don't let it deter you from being adventurous yeah. imagine though if whilst camping you also had to have your baby at the campsite <gasps> nope nightmare <laughs> absolutely a nightmare oh my gosh i think about this all the time <laughs> not camping specifically but like anywhere just like a weird place to have a baby honestly anywhere that isn't a hospital i'm not into the home birthing thing mm-hmm. just because like i know how clean my house is and it's not that clean you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> like i don't even and then the cleanup afterwards oh let geez. alone like what do I do with the umbilical cord? Like, there's just too many so questions. Many. I know. And no, just no. Gosh. My toddler's there. It's like, get out of here. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it just seems like a bad time to me. So I can't imagine camping. I, okay. And I cannot imagine the thought of being out in the middle of nowhere mm. in, let's say, 1846. <laughs> Very, very specific. Maybe or may, may or may not be on the Oregon Trail and having a child in a covered wagon. That's a nope for me. That is a nope 
for me as them well. coyotes man oh we are talking about the donner party <laughs> are you kidding me kidding. oh man oh i couldn't even say that without it's not funny but it's <laughs> we're laughing because we're it was, uncomfortable because it is so you know this is good because i don't think i actually know the story i know Ooh. just like the headline yeah, but like you've heard it. of it. Yeah. 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 I, mo- I think that's true of most people, too, is they've heard of it. Right. And, but they don't know. I mean, it, in researching this, oh, my gosh. Like, it is stressful. Yeah. The whole, the whole situation from start to finish is basically a stressful experience. So, this is going to be a two-parter. Um, we're going to start with exactly what was happening in... The mid-1800s, so we've got the westward expansion. There's a lot of people that believed in the ideology of manifest destiny, which was that um, American immigrants, so white Americans, essentially. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's be honest. (laughs) Yeah, let's be honest. um, Had this destiny that they were supposed to colonize and own the land from the Atlantic to the Pacific. Right. And there's people that just fully believed that that was what they were there for. In, in the name of God. It, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like that is their God-driven purpose mm-hmm. is to colonize everything in between. Um, some people really wanted to make the move out west from the... Uh, I always For such a long time, I always wondered why they called it the Midwest when it's definitely on the eastern side of the state but right. in understanding as i've researched history a lot more it's called the midwest because back then that was it the was middle the west. they thought it was like the middle right until they got farther and they're like oh there's a lot more right yeah <laughs> so it's still just called the midwest but um you know there's so many opportunities for land ownership prosperity you know there's all new resources that they were realizing that the western side of the country had to offer and um so a lot of people would move out there for that too just this fresh start kind of feeling and um for opportunities for what you know resources and hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of people made this insane trek from the midwest across the plains to Oregon and California at the time and um oh man it's just really really wild so just to give you an idea of the terrain to start with a lot of these caravans would leave from Independence Missouri um and they would be heading across wide open plains for the first long stretch of this journey and once they get over past Wyoming kind of over into the Idaho territory, they would have a couple of options. So you can go this southern route that takes you down to the California Trail, or you can continue up north and over into the Oregon Trail. And the Oregon Trail was definitely a lot more traveled at this time period that our story takes place. But the California Trail was really difficult because you are crossing the Sierra Nevada mountains. Right. And uh, it 
Mount Whitney is in the Sierra Nevada mountains and it's the highest mountain in the contiguous United States. Right. At 14,490 feet. And so that just gives you an idea of the massive peaks that we're talking about here. Now in uh, North Carolina, the tallest mountain there, um, I want to say maybe it's Mount Elbert, but I could be wrong, but it's in the Appalachian mountains yeah their highest peak is just over six thousand feet yeah so we are talking mountains that are literally double the size that these people have ever seen before right their highest mountain that they've ever seen is six thousand feet we're getting into fourteen thousand foot mountain ranges that they have to cross Mm. through and traverse so now these cars I keep saying cars sorry these wagons that they are traveling in vary in size depending on what they're needing them for you know mostly they're not taking a ton of belongings with them usually these things are laden with food things to repair the carts with like for the journey for the journey because it's this journey takes four to six months right so Knowing when you're going to set out is ideal. You're not just in the middle of summer. Yeah, let's go to California. Yeah. You know, you are. This is years in the planning for a lot of people. Um, the trek from Independence, Missouri to Oregon City in Oregon was 2,170 miles that these people would cross on foot with these wagons covered with canvas. And they've got oxen. They ha- They might be bringing you know 50 plus cows to bring with them for food and to breed when they get there so they're herding cows along the way they've got horses that they're traveling with many children you know women which so much of this was like and they even had women and children (laughs) but i get it too because you know the Think about like the attire at the time yeah. and just the cleanliness of being a woman yeah. back then. You yeah. have your monthly courses. Yeah. You have all these things, you know, it's, they're not usually doing a lot of the hard labor. So they are people that, especially in that day and age, were to be cared for. Right. They weren't doing a lot of this like hard labor sort of caring of other people. I'm going to read you a list of provisions that would be taken on this journey 120 pounds of pre-made biscuits and this is from a website and it's called pistols and petticoats which i just thought the website name was super cute um, 120 pounds of biscuits 60 pounds of coffee beans which wow okay. i thought people drank a lot of coffee now right this is clearly a staple that goes back right over a hundred years yeah i know? never really thought about I it know, I but was... like coffee was like their main priority okay 60 pounds of it um four pounds of tea 100 pounds of sugar 200 pounds of lard the lard they would use for a lot of things cooking curing um greasing i'm sure large barrels of cornmeal and they would store their fresh eggs in the barrels of cornmeal to prevent them from cracking because imagine too you have wooden wheels yeah not the height of like suspension of the you know yeah and you're rattling down in a wooden cart down these this trail it's a literal trail and there's actually still 
uh, wagon ruts in several parts of the Oregon Trail that mm-hmm. are there today. Have you ever seen any of them? No. Have you? Yeah. Oh, a couple I'm so different jealous. spots. Um, one spot in Idaho, a couple different places in Oregon. Um, it's, yeah, it's really cool because it's, it's just weird. Cool. It seems like such a far away thing, I yeah. guess. But it's like, I don't know. It, it is and it isn't. Like, you could still see yeah. the evidence of those trips. Back to the list. Um, they had they would have three sacks of rice, three sacks of dried beans, dried fruits. Mostly they would use peaches and apples. And I don't know if it's just because they kept better. Um, plums were rare, but the, like that was like a special treat yeah. if you had some plums. 75 pounds of salt, 300 pounds of bacon. This, uh, this they would store in large barrels of bran. And I guess the bran would help prevent it from melting in the heat because they would get super hot inside the, the, uh, covered wagons tools that they would bring each man or teenage boy brought with him either a hunting rifle or a shotgun. Sometimes people would have pistols. Um, but that was usually for people that were wealthier. Every adult family member had a hunting knife. They bought tools to use once they set up a homestead. So, um, they would often bring axes, shovels, things like that. The shovels were helpful too, not just in their future plans of building a homestead, but digging the wagon out of ditches. So that was a really crucial thing to have. Um, mallets for repairs if the wagon broke and lumber would be collected from trees along the way to make like campfires and things like that. Uh, clothing, they would bring coats, rubber boots, work boots, cotton dresses, wool pants, buckskin pants, duck trousers. And I don't, I don't know what duck trousers are. Do you? I don't think so. Okay. Um, cotton shirts, flannel shirts, cotton socks, wide brim hats, and sun bonnets, which the sun bonnets, I mean, I, that is like quintessential. Yeah. America. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, so animals that they would bring. They would bring oxen. They're really, really strong animals, and they can go pretty decent distances at a steady pace for miles and miles and miles. Um, They would bring a minimum of four to six, but often people would bring a few more because you never know if something's going to happen. You know, they're going to get, like, hoof rot. Um, Milk cows, they would bring at least two, so that really aided them, and, you know, they could make butter from that. They would use a lot of the milk just as a staple for sustaining. Um, They'd get water in a way from that too and use it in their, a lot of their cooking cattle for both food. And like I said, starting up ranching mules and pack horses to carry supplies. So sometimes they, they often weren't riding their horses. They were walking along with these animals and they would have the animals laden with additional supplies um bright and then this is something that i didn't even like think about but in their wagon too you got to have like bridles tack tackle is it or tack and harnesses mule collars horse blankets saddles whips yeah um saddlebags all of that to care for the animals and then i'm thinking too they probably have you know um is it ferrying where they are cleaning like the animals hooves yeah supplies for that right so it's everything to take care of these animals and you're banking on 
these animals being able to find you know grass along the way so you're really uh, you know they're not taking wagons of hay and food for the animals they're banking on the animals being able to find food and water during this travel so that is a vision of what these wagons would look like so they would be inside they would have blankets and um if you were really lucky like down pillows you know feather pillows you're bougie yeah (laughs) but they would only sleep in the wagons if the weather was really bad usually they're sleeping underneath them um you know they'd roll out little mats and sleep on that because like i said these things are filled with items and I'm sure small children, you know, would yeah. ride in the wagons packed, you know, packed in here and there wherever they could fit. Um, yes. So most families, depending on the size, would have at least two wagons that you're bringing with you. Wow. And then that's, you know, any additional animals that you have as well. I wonder, I would assume that they would bring chickens. Oh, yeah. Chickens are so hardy and they're so yeah. easy to keep. Yeah. So I'm assuming they had to have had like chickens in that supply list yeah maybe not maybe not but i'd have brought one yeah uh, yeah just like <laughs> hauling hauling around you know i know the year is 1846 <laughs> the people george and jacob donner oh, <laughs> oh no <laughs> uh george and jacob donner they were born in north carolina and their parents were german immigrants But they had been born in the United States, like I said, and they had already at this point migrated from the Atlantic on the coast to Illinois. At some point, they'd spent a year in Texas, I think, really focusing on ranching. I think they were trying to get, you know, like a ranching business started. And they decided, you know, there was all these opportunities that they'd heard about out west, and they decided to do one last migration as a family and go out west and see what California has to offer. So this is right before the gold rush. The gold rush um, took place in, like, really hit big in 1849, which I learned the 49ers, I think they're a football team. yeah. They're named because of the gold. That's why they're named the gold rush. I didn't realize that. That makes a lot of sense. I know. Um. (laughs) So, like I said, they were already pretty prosperous farmers and cattle ranchers. And at this point, when they're considering taking this trek, George is 60 and his brother Jacob is 56. And George's family, George is, he has his third wife. I didn't find a lot of information about any of his previous marriages. Um, His wife's name is Tamson. And I'm going to list their family members. I'm not, there's a lot more people that join their party. Um, I'm not going to list everybody because there's a lot of people involved in this. And you would need to like sit down and map it out if you really wanted to keep track. Oh dear. Um, but uh, George and his wife Tamsin, they have a 14-year-old daughter named Aletha, a 12-year-old named Liana, a 6-year-old named Gracie, a four-year-old named Georgia and a three-year-old named Eliza and Jacob's family. He has a wife named Elizabeth 
and they have their children are Solomon, who's 14, so we got a couple teenagers, uh, William, who's also 12, George is 9, Mary 7, Isaac 5, Samuel 4, and Lewis, 3 years old. And some of these kids are stepkids, like mixed from previous relationships. Um, But that is a lot of kids. So total, just with this family, they've got 12 kids between the two families. Wow. And they also have some Teamsters that they've hired to... The Teamsters would drive the, um, the wagons. So these were uh, men that they would hire that would basically be caring for the animals. They knew a lot more about, you know, how to handle the big wagons and that sort of thing. And their names are uh, Noah James, Samuel Shoemaker, John Denton, Hiram O'Miller, Charles Berger, and Augustus Spitzer. And so that's a total of 10 adults, 12 kids, just with these two families trekking and many, many animals. (laughs) Um, So they leave Missouri in the spring of 1846. And on May 12th, they join a group of, it's a huge migration. So this is so much of how these expeditions were successful is the sheer quantity of people. You know, if you, at one point, I think George's, wagon he takes on this boy that was um dying of consumption which was like tuberculosis because the wagon that he was from didn't have any provisions to care for him anymore and so that's but this is one of the benefits of having many wagons traveling together so this expedition was a mass migration of about 500 wagons leaving all at the same time holy moly but you also wouldn't leave it wasn't it wasn't really a thing where you're like oh maybe we'll leave next week like you're leaving all together like everybody's going yeah and you know you it they spread out along the journey um but the first group is it's 500 people wow among these 500 people is the reed family so um oftentimes when you hear about the donner party um sometimes it's called the donner reed party because these were kind of the two main families and then you have other families that joined them in the towards the the end or yeah kind of towards the end so um in the reed family you have james reed he was from ireland and he moved and immigrated to the united states in 1820 with his widowed mom and james family um had his wife margaret his mother-in-law sarah who had advanced stages of consumption i which that interest is really interesting to me too why why she would attempt to do this because she does die along the way yeah pretty early on um but you know she was very ill so it's just interesting that it's like she is wanting to go yeah um and then they have several kids also they have virginia who's 13 martha jane eight james is five and thomas is three years old and he had um some money issues and i don't know if it was just occupation or couldn't find work i know so many people were against irish for a long time and so that could have been part of it just his heritage maybe was holding him back from really progressing on the east coast but 
so he's thinking, you know, California, I'm, I want a fresh start. I want to try something new. There's so many opportunities and he's, he's just ready. You know, he also was thinking California, the California climate might help his wife's health. She sounds like a woman of, you know, poor constitution. Yeah. Go away to the sea for a few days and get the sea breeze Mm -hmm. air. Yeah, exactly. And it's nice and dry there. You know, the Midwest. Have you ever been um, to any of those Midwest states that are super humid? No, I don't think so. It's like. It's awful. I can't imagine. Missouri. I'm not even going to apologize for this comment. I almost apologized. It is the worst state I've ever been to. Wow. As far as humidity yeah. and climate go. I hated it. It was oh. it was just, you are drenched constantly by the humidity. And then breathing it in, it's like hot. It's like breathing in somebody else's hot breath. Ew. Okay, that's so gross. <laughs> that's Ew. exactly what it feels like. That's sickening. Well, you know. That's Missouri, baby. That's Missouri. And Margaret also thought it was sickening because it took its toll on her health. She's like, I am sick right now. I am always it's sick. It's quite literally <laughs> sickening. That's so funny. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. The nice, dry California air was something I'm sure people had just been hearing about. And just the climate. You know, it's beautiful. It's sunny. And there's, you know... California is stunning. There's so many different, you know, you can get farther south and it's super hot and feels a little more tropical up north. It's more of a, you know, temperate climate Mm -hmm. and it really is beautiful. So with the Reed family, they had Teamsters, Milford, James and Walter. And then these two siblings, Bayless and Eliza, they came and Bayless was their handyman. So he would help with any repairs and that sort of thing. And then Eliza came to be kind of the family cook and, you know, probably obviously wanted to go because they're looking for new opportunities as well. So they set out and like I said, they kind of these mass um, migrations, if you will, would kind of split up into smaller groups. So they kind of stepped, fell into pace with um, a group of like 50 other wagons and the leader, they would kind of just pick a leader. So a lot, the farther west you go, you know, most of these states, well, none of these states that they are traveling through were even states at this point. Right. None of these states were established. They were territories. So like people knew, okay, we're crossing over into, you know, the Wyoming territory. We're crossing over into the Utah territory. But there wasn't laws. So the laws of the United States didn't apply yet. Oh yeah. That's something in these caravans. Yeah. Mm. So they would often vote and make these decisions on their own as a group. And so there was still some sort of kind of general structure, but there wasn't, there was no consequence for like, you know, it's just like vigilante justice. Yes. Very, very much so. So they had all voted in William H. Russell to lead this group of 50 other wagons. And by June 16th, so keep in mind this time frame, they head out in May. It's now June 16th. They had already traveled 450 miles. So that's a lot of distance. But keep in mind, too, it's very flat. Right. You know, you're going through 
all the prairies, all the plains, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have not seen what lays does in it, front of them. Doesn't going over a mountain in a covered wagon just seem like the worst? I okay. Option have you possible? ever played the Oregon Trail game? I never have. No, dude, you, I'm gonna make you play it after <laughs> this. Imagine crossing a river. Yeah. yeah, with your covered wagon and all your oxen, all your horses, all your belongings, yeah. everything you own. Your freaking three year old, you know, like what a yeah. nightmare! What yeah. a nightmare! It sounds it, terrible. It, I would have never went. I was like, I'm going to stay here. No, I don't, think, I don't think I would either. Unless it was established. Like, I yeah. want, so, I'm just not. I want the path to be made for yes. me. And yeah. Yeah. Well. So um, at some point they get, they get slowed down because there was this bout of constant rain and the river's were rising so they had to wait it out yeah. you, like you're not crossing when the river is swollen and overflown yeah. flowing you want to wait till the current's low the river's low and have a higher chance of success you know dang so they ran into that which that um one of the ladies wrote like in her diary um something about well if this is the hardest part then, you know, we're doing pretty well or something like that. And I'm like, oh, honey. You're like, yeah, keep your hopes up. Oh, honey. Even just knowing where the story is going, just like, the th- again, the mountain crossing. I'm I like, know. girl, like, you are not even... And we're not even there yet. These are just ready. the prairies. These are just the prairies. Yikers. So July 12th, so this is a month, a little over a month later, they receive a letter at one of the... Um, Because there's little, like, forts along the way that people would put up. You know, they'd have fresh supplies. They might have some medical attention, um, wagon repairs, things like that that you can, if you have money, you know, or something to trade, you can get more provisions. You can rest there. They've got, you know, shops and that sort of thing. So at one of these stops, they get receive a letter that was promoting um, Hastings Cutoff. Now, uh, Lansford Hastings is the name of the man that created this new cutoff. And so imagine, like, um, see in your mind, you've got, you're in Wyoming. To the left of Wyoming, or west, if you will, (laughs) is Idaho and then Washington. And southwest You've got Utah, then Nevada, then California. Um, or sorry, or uh, left of Idaho is Oregon. So in Wyoming, you can either basically stay on this northern part of the trail that cuts through southern Idaho over into Oregon. Or you, and then in Idaho, it can turn south so that you can split, you can stay north and continue on to Oregon, or you can go south and take the California Trail. Now, you kind of have to go up, and then you're going back down, because you're going up over, like, the Salt Lake area. The Oregon Trail is going to take you up north of the Wasatch Mountains and Great Salt Lake, and then to take the California Trail, you're going to then kind of dive south again. So it's a little out of the way as far as the bird, the crow flies. So Hastings created this new crossing that cuts just 
under the Great Salt Lake. So you're almost going directly straight across. Instead of up and over, you would go from Fort Bridger in Wyoming, which is southern Wyoming. You would cut almost straight west Mm. through the mountains. Not just the Wasatch Mountains, but as you get farther, you know, you're cutting through the Sierra Nevadas. Um, But through those mountains, across the Great Salt Desert, and then it joins back up with the California Trail. So he promoted this a ton. And he must, I don't know why. (laughs) I can't understand why. It's like you're getting paid from this, right? Well, he would would take lead lead groups across it. Okay. Um, Which maybe if you're going with him, maybe that could work. But the first mistake is that this paper gets handed to the Donner Reed party. And they are thinking, they're told this is going to cut 150 miles off of their, their course. So who wouldn't want to? Right? There's no way, though. Like, <laughs> up and down a mountain. Right? Like, anyway, okay. These Who folks. wouldn't want to? So, yeah. um, part of the way that he promotes this is he sends warnings about Mexican opposition. <laughs> and he says that this is a way better road to reach California. You're cutting straight across westward. Um, yeah, you have to cross a couple difficult spots, but mostly it's smooth sailing, baby. Wow. So um, Hastings cut off. Oh, gosh, this this part. I'm sorry. It's just really <laughs> stressing out. So um, the party splits and some of them, some of this 50 um, wagon party are saying we're taking the known path. Smart. I can see ruts in the ground, which means people kept going and made it this way. I can see a path. That's helpful. We're taking this path. So they, a lot of them went north. However, um, they, a smaller group decides to head south and wants to meet Hastings at Fort Bridger, where he said he would wait for them and um, head to the do the Hastings cutoff. So now that the group has split, they need to elect a new leader. So James Reed was, he was like very forward. Um, like I said, he was an Irish immigrant. Not a lot of people liked that because um, he wasn't born American. And he was known to be imperious and obstentatious, which I'm like... That, you know, which can be good, you know, someone that's assuming power is, but he was also like rude and vulgar, Right. but it sounds, you know, he was a military man at some point and it sounds like he was like a decision maker. So that can be good, but they decided to go with the Donner brothers because they were American born and they were more like peacekeepers. And part of this problem is they really don't have a lot of experience with Manif- westward expansion if you will oh wow you know because yeah. even their their other migration you're going from a civilized place to another civilized right place that has been established for yeah. a long time and this you are civilizing a place yeah. so this was a very different experience um so meanwhile there's a man named edwin bryant and um 
he was a journalist and he reached the first part of Hastings cutoff and he was like, no, this is, this is impossible. Mm. And he goes back to Fort Bridger in Wyoming and he sees that he, um, that I think that's where he meets the Donners and he tells them like, there's no way your wagons are going to make it like this. I would not do this. Like leave, go North. It's not too late to turn back, you know? And um, this is Hastings guy. It's just like, seems like some evil character. So, and so Hastings who was supposed to meet them at Fort Bridger, he had left like two weeks before with another group. And the reason he had left with the other group, like that was the designated time that they were all supposed to leave. But earlier in the Donner party expedition, they ran into that rain and the river crossing and it held them up just oh. long enough that they missed wow. this meeting with Hastings. Right. So um, also I think he's an idiot right. because you're going into an unmarked path that you haven't had 500, you know, wagons going over this yeah. every year for the last however many years you, this is a new, like you can't even see the path. So um, Hastings had left a bunch of this. I'm sorry. This, I couldn't believe that this was real. He leaves a trail of letters along the way for the Donner Party to follow instructions on. I am not kidding. Why would anybody, like, I just can't comprehend. It's 1846. Like, what? What? Can you (laughs) imagine? Hope that you find the next letter. He would nail letters to trees. And with instructions. That isn't even a good method either. You know what I mean? Like, at least get some, like... At least laminate seal that. Seal skin or something. I don't know. Like, put some lard put it on in the a top. box. Yeah. Like, something why would you... Preserve it. I'm like... There's just so... I have immediately just so, so many, many questions. questions. <laughs> because, okay, so they went to this Bridgerton fort, and that was in July... So it's like three mm-hmm. months after they departed. Yeah. And they'd only gone 450 miles. Yeah. That's not even a quarter of the miles I know. that they need to I go. Know. And so like just that alone, it's like you're already really delayed in trying to get anywhere before the winter. I know. It's like it's stress. It's stressing me out just thinking about it again. Yeah. Right oh, now okay. in this moment. Anyway. So, so. Wow. I know. Fascinating. So while there, they meet a man named Jim Bridger and he has a stake in the game because he owns a trading post and it's on the way through Hastings cutoff. So he has a lot to gain by this, you know, several. Yeah dozens of wagons coming through so he's constantly promoting hastings cutoff and he tells the donner party that it's a super smooth it's a shortcut as i said before i mean instead of going all the way up and over salt lake you're basically cutting straight across supposedly he says it's a super smooth shortcut there's no native americans that you have to worry about you have a nice dry lake bed to cross (laughs) And it, oh, I'm sorry. It would shorten your travel by 350 miles. That's what I, that's, I said 150 earlier. Yeah. It would shorten your travel by 350 miles. Now, like you just said, they already went 450. So if it can shorten it by that distance. That'd be like three months off their tempting. trip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I could see that. It's very tempting. So 
um, in the end, it actually added 150 miles. <laughs> well, yeah, up and down, man. Uh, ooh. <laughs> ooh. Ooh. And oh, a lot of time. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I'm sorry. This is just a lot to take in. I know. So the Donner Party. Um, so Hastings has already left. And um, they are contemplating, like, trying to make a decision as a group they're kind of they're like teetering on whether to turn north and just bag it all and they've already lost some time or go for it so while they're still there um james reed sees one of his friends and his friend urges them and says don't take the cutoff and but reed doesn't say anything because he he wants to take the cutoff and he thinks it's the best idea. And the journal, the journalist guy that I had said, like, looked at the, I think, um, I think it was the Edwin Bryant. I can't remember if it was him. Oh, yeah. So he, um, he was the one that reached the first part of Hastings Cutoff and came back. And I, th- I misspoke. And I thought he had told the Donners not to go. He had left letters for them oh. because I, they hadn't arrived yet. And he had said, don't do it. Well, what they think happened is that Jim Bridger, who owned the trading post, never gave them the letters <gasps> because he, he wanted them to go. Wow. Because yeah. he, be- he would profit. Messed up. I know. It's super messed up. That's so, that right there. It's just like the poster child of capitalism, isn't oh, it? Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Don't give a care of your, all your 12 kids and your sickly mother-in-law and... <laughs> Oh, well, I'm going to make a quick buck off yeah, of y'all. Absolutely. It's I disturbing. know. Yeah, it's it's terrible. So um, before they take off for Hastings Cutoff, they're joined by several families. And I'll just list the families. Um, but the McCutcheon family, the Kiesberg family, they uh, were from Germany. And the, that's the family that they had an infant born <sighs> on the trail. And I just, that was unbelievable <laughs> to me. I'm... That means she set out like six months pregnant. Honestly, I'm over here like, oh, I don't know if I want to go that far in the car. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just That's incredible. Awful. I know. Um, so they are joined by the Graves family, the Breens, who had seven children, the Eddies family, they had two children, and several other people that were kind of accompanying these families. So if you were going by yourself, you're obviously not going by yourself. You're joining another family. Um, so there were several people that had kind of joined on. So now they're a pretty decent-sized group, and they are ready to take on the Wasatch Mountains. <laughs> I think I said that right. Um, wow. So first of all, these mountains are steep and they are intense. You're in a covered wagon with wooden wheels. The party had to lock the wheels so that they wouldn't just roll down these steep inclines. Ooh. And they were, I mean, That's <laughs> have terrifying. you ever been pushing your stroller on a steep hill and you're like, oh, I better not let go. Like yeah. imagine an entire <laughs> covered wagon yeah and i i don't even know how you would control it it's just oh gosh the path was impossible to see because not very many people have had traveled through hastings cutoff yet hastings left 
great instructions on the trees. <laughs> Sorry. As I mentioned before. And on August 6th, they find a letter from Hastings that tell, is telling them to wait. That he's going to come back and lead them through part of this because he was worried that they wouldn't find it themselves. So at least they're not... He's aware that they're coming. He's not trying to just ditch them entirely. Right, yeah. So they decide to send three men ahead to try to find Hastings and to figure out what they should do. So Reed um, is amongst them and they, they all head out. Now, even just to get through parts of this, the wagon train is having to move massive boulders. They're traversing <laughs> st- through steep canyons. There's cliffs just leading to... Ri- like rivers that they're trying that roads weren't built right they're just trying to get through these insane mountains so um they find hastings but he doesn't come back with them all the way and i don't it's like every these people were dealt every bad card so he doesn't come back with them all the way reed is the first one back and they basically have three options you can turn back and take the northern route around the lake at Salt Lake. You can follow the Harlan Young party, which is the party that haste the direction Hastings went to the best of their ability, or you can just forge your own path. <laughs> just head why west. Did, why did he like come back and then he didn't come back all the way? Like I don't know. What is up with this? I don't know. I don't know if he was still leading the other group, right? And they didn't want to wait. Like, I yeah, don't yeah, know. Maybe maybe they should have just waited for him, period. And when you hear some of this stuff, it had he ever taken this before? Or did he just make it up? He was making it up. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's just, in, it's ridiculous. Awful. So um, Reed, for whatever reason, really encourages the group to continue on Hastings cutoff. And they do. And not that he, I mean, this is a group of people making this decision. Right. I'm not blaming him. Right. I'm just saying he really pushed for it. So they are having to, like, any able-bodied man is in front of the group of train, um, not train cars, sorry, wagon, covered wagons, and they are, like, bushwhacking, clearing bushes. <laughs> sorry. Out of the, I know. I mean, it's it's ridiculous, right? That's awful. I know. <laughs> That's really awful. They're having to fall trees to get through certain parts. They're heaving rocks out of the way. The progress is insanely slow. So slow that they're traveling like one and a half miles a day. No. Uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I walked six a... miles today. You did? Oh, yeah. Girl. I just, you know, tracked Dude, my Dude, you would have rocked the Oregon Trail. <laughs> I would have been I would have been there faster than these folks, apparently. Well. One and a half miles and of half progress miles. per day. Honestly, the like two days of that, I would have been like, we need to turn around. This oh, is clearly the horrible too. idea. Okay. I wonder I, how many women were like, this is stupid. Take us back, you know, like. But I also understand, like, you reach a point where you you are thinking, okay, I have an example. I made some pinatas the other day. <laughs> <laughs> because in my mind, it's just cardboard and tissue. Yeah. Not it's not it. that big of a deal. Dude, I spent, like, over seven hours on these things. And... You just get so far into it. I got... And you're like, ah, oh, the end must be right around the corner. Be. It must, must be. be. So I get it, you know? That's me when I'm putting my baby to sleep at night. It's, <laughs> it'll be fine. It's so been 45 close. minutes. 
it'll we're almost there we're almost there we're almost there so i i imagine that's they're thinking that they're thinking it this can't like you hit a hard part of a journey but the whole journey isn't supposed to be right. like that yeah so they're thinking they're probably thinking just uh, over this next ridge just day. through this yeah, yeah. that is but I, okay yeah that's a good perspective that sucks man. i know but yeah like you're like oh, you know the women were like no 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 <laughs> i mean honestly that's oh how i gosh. am with most things i'm like any Ugh. amount of like um hesitation i'm like hmm, are we sure about that like this is there's nothing wrong here i don't feel right <laughs> So August, it's now August 20th. <laughs> no. They took out, they took off May. Wow. That's not good. Uh, so um, on August 20th, they can finally see the Great Salt Lake from one of these mountain ridges. <laughs> they and haven't even gone like no, oh, just no. to Salt Lake. No, they're not even to Salt They're in Utah. They're not even... They still have the Sierra Nevada mountains yeah, to cross. Yeah. And the tallest mountain in the, I, I looked it up in the Wasatch Range, I think was, it might have been 14,000, but I don't think so. At this point, people are getting really pissed at Reed yeah. because he was the one really, which is interesting too, because they voted the Donners in as their leaders, but they're probably just fed up with his attitude too because it sounds like he was a difficult personality so blood is starting to boil patience is gone and people are just really starting to fray um so a week or so later they find a shredded letter from hastings and it tells them that they have from this point on they have it should just be a quick like two days two nights trip but there's not going to uh, to get across this um the this desert section but there's not going to be any grass or water so like rest here load up get ready for like two full days two full nights of a difficult journey <laughs> which after a whole month of a difficult <laughs> journey wouldn't you be fuming i'd be so mad. i would be and nothing has been as it was said to have been and this is no different. So the oxen are fatigued. So they rest a good like full day and a half and their water is almost gone. And but they so they only rest a day and a half because they had just they had just traversed a thousand foot mountain down a thousand feet of mountain and they are ready to start crossing the desert. So they start crossing on August 30th and the issue amongst many is that this is in the um this is part of the dry salt lake bed and have you ever been to the great salt lake no it's crazy because you can see like we went a couple years ago for tumbling and trampoline first of all it's stunning because the wasatch mountains (laughs) i know i'm saying it wrong i just can't but it's beautiful they just surround the lake that's so cool but the lake you can see where the edge or the edge of the lake once was and Mm -hmm. how much it has receded how interesting and it must just recede every year because even in this timeline there's a huge 
open plains of desert where the lake it was that's the lake bed he was talking about the dry lake bed that they were like oh you just cross a quick dry lake bed it'll be easy um this is the lake bed they're talking about and it's part of where the lake once was oh interesting but it has this thick layer of salt crust and when the super hot heat of the august sun hits that salt crust any moisture from underneath the salt draws it to the surface and it just creates a gummy pit of despair oh my gosh yeah and then it didn't even consider anything like that i was just thinking about how damaging salt can be to all these wagons too oh yeah oh yeah i didn't see i didn't even think about that that's crazy i know and so they these wagons would be stuck all the way up to the hubs (gasps) Yeah. Awful. I know. Oxen were getting sucked in, like couldn't move. My gosh. They would leave oxen behind, uh, still attached to the wagons because they couldn't get out. Like they they could not get out. Just this gummy terrain. Isn't that just, it's not even like mud. It's like just you're literally stuck. I I just, I can't imagine. It makes me think of those like sticky mouse traps, you know? Yeah. There's just no getting out. Nine of Reed's 10 oxen, he had 10 oxen, nine of them broke free and just in like a craze of um, dehydration and just took off. Oh, and he never found them. Oh my God. So shockingly, none of all of the humans survive, but they lost a ton ton of animals and these are animals that were supposed to be provisions for them yeah not just along the journey but when they reach their destination like quite literally too. their livelihood yeah like, yeah now you're gonna make it but literally how are you gonna eat you know uh, exactly yeah Dang. oh just the it like makes my heart squeeze just thinking of the stress and how despairing yeah. it's just so despairing so they spent many days recovering um, at a springs that they had found on the other side of the desert. And they spent a lot of time trying to go back to the wagons that were stuck, getting either just taking supplies from them, trying to get them unstuck, trying to get find their cattle that had taken off. And at this point, they have zero faith in this cutoff. But think of what they've how far they've come now i mean do you want to cross that desert again and yeah. go back up that mountain i they're just like you can't yeah at that point onward. you can't go back you no. just have to go forward exactly you really can't so um two men they send two men ahead to um sutter's fort in california to try to see like if they can get help or more supplies and um the two men that they send are Charles Stanton and William McCutcheon. So they take off and they crossed, um, or so they take off to try to see what they can find, see if they can get help because they've lost so many supplies. And now it's mid-September and they're not even close to their destination yet. And they ended up having to cross another 40 miles of desert. <laughs> So the shortcut ends up delaying them, not just the costing them an additional 
150 miles, but it delayed them by an entire month. Wow. And these expeditions, you you leave in May because if it takes you six months, you're, you better be there by November. Right. Because you cannot get stuck in these mountains during yeah. winter. Yeah. But they are now delayed an entire month. But at last, they've made it through Hastings Cutoff and they've been able to rejoin the California Trail. So this shortcut just only cost them in so many ways. But they made it to the trail. But they made it to the trail. Can you imagine the relief of seeing it and just being like, oh my gosh. Ugh. Yeah. So the California Trail, where the Hastings Cutoff joins the California Trail, is in um, northern Nevada. And it's kind of by what's known as like the Humboldt River now. And that's where it rejoins. And it kind of follows the river over through the Sierra Nevadas. Um, And then on the other side, you're at Sutter's Fort in California. Okay. So... They're currently in Nevada. They just joined the California Trail, and that is where we will leave off for part one. Wow. I was already just, like, on the edge of my seat with that. It's very stressful. You were right. It's so... I know. Oof. It's terrible. when, When I researched the part that said that they lost an entire month... And an, an, an additional 150 miles and all of their supplies because of Hastings cutoff only to where it rejoins the California trail and they still have so much more to go. I was just like, I'm out. It's I'm awful. Done. Yeah. Like, oh, I would be so mad. Dude, I, that's the kind of thing where you're like, if I see him, I'll kill him. Okay. You know, <laughs> like uh, Hugh Glass finding that guy. Oh, I know. Yeah. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode. You can find us wherever you find podcasts. If you like us, share us with your friends. Uh, like our Instagram posts. Um, you can also follow us on Patreon and become a member and support us financially. You can also do that on Spotify. I'm not entirely sure how you do that on Spotify, but uh, if you go onto our Spotify page, you should be able to find monthly supporter. <laughs> Where there's a will, there's a way. There's a way. October 15th, just a few days from now, we are going to be doing a merch giveaway for any of our supporters through Patreon or any of our Spotify supporters. So if you sign up before the 15th, you get entered into that drawing. And yeah, stay tuned for more. This is part one. Uh, We're going to have part two out next week and we will see you later. Bye. Bye.